Welcome, friend. Follow me. We're going somewhere dark, somewhere dangerous. Most people would never dare enter the place we are going. There's no telling what horrors we'll find, what terrors we'll uncover. Don't say I didn't warn you. We might discover terrible monsters lurking there. Be careful, they could follow you out. Or maybe they're already inside you. Are you afraid? Good. Now you are ready to enter the Warning Woods. My high school does drills for everything these days. There are the good old-fashioned fire drills and, since our school is in Iowa, tornado drills. A couple of years ago, they added shooter drills to the list. The first two don't bother me, but the shooter drills leave me pretty uneasy. They only tell our teachers about the drills ahead of time, and for some reason, the teachers aren't allowed to tell us. I guess it's so we'll take it seriously. Still, spending 10 minutes in fear for your life tends to ruin your whole day. On Tuesday morning, I was using a free period to get some stage work done for an upcoming production of Much Ado About Nothing. I was co-directing the play with the drama teacher so I could put the credit on my college applications. Any spare time I had, I spent in the auditorium, usually backstage, building sets, repairing costumes, or brainstorming production ideas. As I was experimenting with a rigging sequence, an all-too-familiar robotic voice came over the PA system. Lockdown. 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 Totally alone in the windowless auditorium, I had no way of knowing what was happening in the rest of the school. I reached into my pocket for my phone. I wanted to text my friend Carlos to see if he knew anything, but I realized I had left my phone in the sound booth. It was all the way across the auditorium. I considered running for it, but quickly decided against it. If the lockdown was just a drill, it would be over in 10 minutes or so. But if it was the real thing, I'd be taking a huge risk by crossing the empty auditorium. I decided to take shelter in the best place I could think of, a place only a handful of people in the school even knew existed. A narrow door in one of the dressing rooms opened to a staircase that led beneath the stage. This space was used for shuttling things from one side of the stage to the other, mid-production. There was a trap door installed at one point, but it had been sealed for reasons unknown to me. This is where I chose to hide. I left the light off as I passed by the switch at the base of the stairs. I wasn't sure if turning it on would give away my hiding place or not, but since I wasn't afraid of the dark, I didn't take the risk. I crouched near the stairs and listened as the robotic voice repeated, lockdown, over and over. I heard a door outside squeal as if someone opened it. I held my breath and told myself a teacher was probably just checking to make sure no one was in the auditorium. When the door closed, I relaxed. But then I wondered whether the person had left or was now inside the auditorium with me. I heard something like a stack of papers rustle behind me. The sound caught me so far off guard I nearly screamed. Is someone there? I whispered. It's me, a young boy's voice said. I stayed silent for a moment, utterly confused. The kid sounded too young to be a high school student. What was a child doing under the stage in the dark? How long had he been there? Who are you? I asked. Again, the kid said, It's me. I whispered, 
I'm sorry, but I don't think I know you. When can we go? The kid asked. I told him we had to wait until the alarm stopped and the principal gave the all clear over the PA. All he said in response was, I'm hungry. Sorry, kid, I don't have anything to eat, I said. Did you come here with somebody? Are you one of the teacher's kids? My mommy brought me, he said. I asked where his mommy went and he said he didn't know. I told him to sit tight and that we would be able to find his mommy soon. Since I hadn't heard any telling sounds from outside, I correctly assumed this was just another shooter drill. It's dark in here, the kid said. I felt small fingers wrap around one of my hands. I hadn't realized how close the kid was to me. You're right, I replied. Feeling safer than I had at first, I figured I could switch the light on. I reached over and flipped the switch. The single light bulb mounted next to the stairs illuminated the empty space beneath the stage and showed me I was alone. No one was holding my hand. The narrow, cobweb-riddled support beams that cast shadows across the dusty floor and walls didn't provide anywhere to hide either. There simply wasn't anyone else below the stage with me. Kid? I called out, not caring to whisper anymore. No one replied. I shuddered violently and backed toward the stairs, never taking my eyes off the open space. Leaving the light on, I exited into the dressing room. There, I ran into a stall and drew the curtain. I didn't know what good a curtain would do in terms of protection, but I still felt a little safer behind it. I'm not sure how much time passed before the principal gave the all clear. Time seemed to work differently in the dressing room. But when she finally ended the drill, I bolted out of the auditorium and went straight for the office. Principal Victoria was sitting behind her desk staring at her computer monitor with anticipation. I asked her if something was wrong, and she sighed. Just waiting for the angry emails to come in, she said. You know how parents get about these drills. Then she added, Sorry, I shouldn't be talking about that sort of thing with a student, should I? She faked a small laugh. I told her it was alright, then said, Miss Victoria, I hid under the stage during the drill and something weird happened. She gave me an inquisitive look, but I had a hard time continuing. I couldn't quite find the words to articulate my experience without sounding insane. She was already stressed out, and I didn't want to bring her something that admittedly sounded like nonsense. Rather than jump right into my story, I asked, Did anyone bring their kid to school today? She chuckled and said, of course, you know a few teachers are parents too. No, like a little kid, I said. A boy, I think. Ms. Victoria's curious expression started to go dark, and I heard frustration creep into her voice as she asked, Jonathan, where are you going with this? Without telling her all the details, I said, a little kid was talking to me while I hid under the stage. I didn't see where he went, though. He said his mom brought him to school. Now Miss Victoria's face changed again, but this time she looked scared. Her eyeshadow seemed to darken as her skin paled, contrasting her widening eyes. She told me to close the door. When I did, she had me sit back down. The only reason I'm telling you this is because you're graduating soon, she told me. I need your word that you won't tell anyone else. Got it? She sounded firm, but not angry. I could tell she was serious. Wanting to know what warranted such secrecy, I eagerly agreed.
This happened during my first year of teaching here, she said. It's only by the grace of God the whole school doesn't know about it now. It was the talk of the town for years. I leaned in as she continued. The drama department was putting on their annual production, like the one you were involved in right now. After intermission, this hysterical woman came running out of the auditorium. She was an absolute mess and babbling about her son. Mr. Truman, the principal back then, managed to understand her son had wandered off while she was in the restroom. You know, this was way back before most schools had security cameras and locks on all the doors, so that kid could have been anywhere. We looked everywhere while the play continued. When it was over, Principal Truman went on stage and made an announcement about the missing kid. He said the mother would be waiting by the front door so the kid could find her if he was listening. The crowd filed out and I waited with that poor mother, watching everyone that passed. We never saw her, little boy. When the audience was gone, we went back in and questioned the cast and crew, but they hadn't seen the kid either. The police came, and they didn't have any better luck. In the end, they took the mother to the station to keep investigating, and the rest of us went home. Ms. Victoria, are you about to tell me? I started to say, but she raised her hand. Hold on, please. Just let me get through this. I haven't thought about this for some time now. I apologized, and she continued. Earlier that day, by terrible coincidence, something had cracked inside the school's water heater. It was an enormous system powered by burning fuel back then. It had started leaking gas when the audience was still inside. It started as a slow leak, so no one noticed. But when Principal Truman showed up the next morning, he almost passed out after opening the front door. It took days for the building to be safe again. We thought we had narrowly avoided a nightmare, but it turned out we hadn't totally dodged tragedy. When we finally got back into the building, there was a terrible smell coming from the stage. My heart pounded. I was connecting the dots as Ms. Victoria told her story, and I wasn't liking the picture they formed. See, she continued, there's no ventilation underneath the stage. You know this. And the water heater was positioned directly below it back then. That little boy, the one who went missing, had apparently snuck behind the curtain while the audience was away for intermission and the cast were off stage preparing the next act. The kids saw the trap door in the floor and climbed down it. The rest of this is just speculation, but the fire marshal assumed the kid got scared when intermission ended and the actors started performing above him. While he hid down there, carbon monoxide started to fill that small space. Ms. Victoria paused for a moment to wipe a tear from one eye. The bright side is he probably just got drowsy and fell asleep. He was never aware that he was in any danger. He just... just slipped away. She seemed to be finished, so I asked, Ms. Victoria, are you telling me I was just talking to that kid's ghost? He touched me. You wouldn't be the first, she said. Every few weeks, someone claimed to hear his voice below the stage. They would ask, who is it? And always get the same reply. It's me. That's what he said to me, I said, nearly shouting. She just nodded calmly as if she suspected as much. One day it happened to a senior, a real tough guy, kind of a bully, and he made it a crime of sorts to discuss the boy under the stage. Students stopped talking about their experiences, if they had any, 
And then the story just faded into the past. Has anyone tried to, I don't know, do something about it? I asked. We sealed the trap door. I've thought about sealing access below the stage completely, but I'm worried that will bring the old story back to life. From what you've told me today, I think I might be right. No, don't, I said. I felt an overwhelming compassion for that poor kid now. He was down there all alone. He didn't know he was dead. I knew that from our conversation. He was still waiting for his mother to come get him. Sealing him away wouldn't change anything. Maybe I can talk to him, I said. Maybe I can help him. Ms. Victoria looked uncomfortable, but slowly nodded. Just promise me one thing, Jonathan. If you go down there, leave the door open so you can get out. And always, always leave a light on. It seems he can only touch you in the dark. You made it out. Congratulations. If you enjoyed the story, please rate and review this podcast wherever you like to listen. Reviews are the best way to support the podcast and help it grow. The next best way is to buy merch from thewarningwoods.myshopify.com. The link is also in the description below. If you want more creepy content, including the images that accompany each story, follow me on Instagram at thewarningwoods. If you feel ready, meet me here next week for another journey into the Warning Woods. Thank you for listening.